They'd work hard to get money to buy a car so they could drive to the shops and buy more things, which they'd have to pay for by going back to work, which made them miserable. So they'd cheer themselves up by going out and buying more things, which they'd have to work to pay for. 48 minutes of dogs barking, 48 minutes of dogs barking, 48 minutes of dogs barking, 48 minutes of dogs barking. Growl! I actually quit a job by saying I got shit to do. Okay. <laughs> I right. threw my badge, right. threw the badge at this fucking Berkeley School of Music graduate's fucking desk. He was trying to talk to me, trying to get me to stay. I, I don't know, dude. I got shit to do today. <laughs> I got shit going on, yeah. I think that's probably one of my milder quitting stories. Anyways, folks, this is 48 minutes of complaining about jobs. <laughs> How do you feel about your job? Give us a call, 314-246-9766. Email 48minutesdogsbarking at gmail.com. Let us know what your worst on-the-job uh, experience was, or if you told your boss off in a creative way. I'd love to hear about that as well. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's the show. My name's Jason. This is Brian, my ride-or-die bitch, my... Uh, the, uh, I got nothing. I, could, I couldn't even think of a your, good one. Your, your, uh, your pee-pee to your poo-poo? <laughs> there you go. That's it. There the, we go. The pee-pee to my poo-poo. The, uh... Oh, jeez. Oh, this yeah. is going to be a loose one, isn't ah! it? <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Uh, so welcome to the show, first of all. And then second of all, Brian, have you heard about the psyops that are happening on TikTok? I, which ones? <laughs> which ones? I just imagine yes. every, every single time... <laughs> Every single time someone shows me a TikTok, yeah, and it's like in the app, mm-hmm. I just assume it's a part of a psyop. Like I've like sat there with a friend while he was on his phone <laughs> and just going like the suggested for you or whatever, and yeah. it's just like insanity. Yeah, it like it'll it, draw it, you in. Yeah, for sure. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's definitely the ADD app. So for uh, for a couple of them, it's a full time job, and they are military, and they are. Some of them even joke that they're psyops, like direct. Just come out and say it. Oh. Uh, so this is a piece from DazedDigital.com, and it's uh, the headline there is how e-girl influencers are trying to get Gen Z into the military. Cosplay commandos are posting nationalist thirst traps to mobilize the simps, but why? What do you mean why? You already answered your own question, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> With here's the quote. This is my waifu. This is my gun. <laughs> <laughs> this is my waifu. There are many like it, but this one is mine. <laughs> With full face e girl makeup drawn on freckles and a rosy nose, 20 year old Haley Wan is the face of an unsettling new breed of e girl garnering millions of views online. She posts thirst straps inside helicopters and pouty selfies with assault rifles with hashtags like hashtag pew pew and hashtag military curves. She shares cutesy unboxing compilations and makeup tutorials, get ready with me videos and lip syncs. She jokes about war bunkers and plays with remote control tanks, which she overlays with sparkly filters 
and heart emojis. Uh, <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah. And the thing, in the think, if this was like North Korea doing it, oh yeah, it would be way higher. There's a <laughs> there's a few that I saw on there already that were IDF. There were the Israeli defense force. So I mean, I think every country's got them. I just said, yeah. It, I used to work at a place where we uh, worked on shit and guys would go over all over the country and all over the world. And I remember one of the fat slobs I worked with talking about how he loved going to Israel to look at all of the like lay soldiers. And I'm just like, <laughs> you have gout. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, what makes you like I mean the only the only reason Israelis even like given Americans like a second look is because their whole entire life and form of oppression towards the Palestinians is bankrolled by America right yeah so that's the only that's the only respect the only reason why Israeli women might even look at you dude yeah your daddy war bucks at that yeah. point yeah like literally war bucks hey how about that Lujan is a describes herself as a psychological operations specialist for the US Army some of the comments, <laughs> God, her her official website is called Psych Ops, spelled S-I-K-E, as in the like, I'm just kidding. Some some commenters, my own taxes used to psyop me, says one. Definitely a fed, and then in parentheses, I'm signing up for the army now, says another. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm uh, going to the recruitment uh, yeah. office respectfully. <laughs> Exactly. I'm looking at the charger uh, set terms of service. The Army career said bark for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Getting way too much out. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, it's because it's, there's a lot there, man. Like military funded e girls. Like, where is this going to go? I don't just, like. That's really funny. Like, the next. The I mean, next it's sad. Step, Oh but, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's I mean, just... every everything in the spectacle of you know, postmodern American culture, I suppose is. Oh, what we have here. Hey guys, it's Luhan. Um, we just did my two-hour flight school, so I'm in the Apache, and I'm about to take it for a whip. We'll see how I do. I think I'll be good. Honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. I um, couldn't be me. I'm glad I have a drink in my hand. There's <laughs> just that's just fucking brutal. You're trying to say you'd have something else in your hand if I wasn't here. I mean. <laughs> Uh, a gun? Uh, in my mouth? I don't know. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, oh, are we, are we going to move to the We next? are going. We're going right there. Yeah. Um, so how many of you uh, love to hear our Rick and Morty impression? Because <laughs> you're going to hear it a lot this episode. Yeah, it's... Um, it's not looking real good for Justin Roiland. According <laughs> to our good friends over there at NBC News... Justin Roiland charged with domestic battery and false imprisonment in May 2020 after an incident with a woman he was dating, according to a criminal complaint. Now, it is almost three years later. Why are we just hearing about this now? That's my big question. Uh, What the fuck? I would have figured that would have been a newsworthy thing. It's nothing that you'd like sit on. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how records are. And is that guessing that's in the state of California? Because like in Missouri, yeah, we have be, case, County, yeah, yeah, we have uh, CaseNet, so you can pretty much just stalk people. Anyone, anyone can look you up on Pacer though. Pacer's a oh, I know, <laughs> I don't, I just use CaseNet for finding out like you know people that never paid me, and like oh, oh yeah, wow, cool. that's a good yeah, one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never paid me for work or checks, always kept bouncing. So yeah, it looks like uh, he pled not guilty, 
Him and his attorneys didn't respond to requests for comment. The charges are one felony count of domestic battery with corporal injury. It just means an injury to your body. One felony count of false imprisonment by menace, violence, fraud, and or deceit, which is very general. Uh, essentially yeah. saying that, like, you threatened someone that they couldn't leave and s- by saying you were going to harm them. Or, or by lying to them. Yeah. Which is, it, it covers a lot of stuff, so it's hard to pin anything down. But yeah, NBC News was the first to report publicly on the case this week. Three years later. That's wild. I wonder how long that was publicly available information. That's that's my head scratcher. But, you know, I wonder how uh, the um, next season of Rick and Morty is going to be like, <laughs> Oh, Rick, Rick, uh, oh, you really did it now. Uh, Je- Jessica, Je- Jessica's got a restraining order against me. Maury, Maury, I've got an idea, Maury. We can go to another universe where it's okay to hit women. <laughs> oh, oh, geez. They like it. If you don't do it, it's actually weird. Oh jeez, Rick! I guess. Ah jeez, ah jeez, Rick! Uh, uh, I guess that sounds pretty good. Let's uh, get our friends Andrew Tate and let's get on the plane. Right? Or they go into the one universe where Je- Jeffrey Epstein didn't rape women. <laughs> you know, and it turns out you, he's you just know that, you know that guy I used to hang around with Jeffrey. <clears throat> you know, Morty, Morty. <laughs> My friend Galen told me about him. Morty, and, and, and in this in this universe, it's, it's really not. It's not a plane. It's more. Uh, it's more of a yacht. <laughs> it's it's a little yacht spark. It's, it's not sketchy. It's gonna be a fun time online. It's got Reddit's gonna be full on, just completely insane over this news. And you want to know uh, when we had uh, Jay on a couple weeks ago, and we were kind of talking about high on life and how we've kind of maybe hit peak Justin Roiland exposure. Yeah, I showed a uh, House of Cosby's. Oh boy, to uh, D a couple uh, over the weekend. No laughs. Mm. And House of Cosby, I remember the first time being shown that and losing my fucking mind. Just mm, just know that I'm your father and that I'll always love you, Theo. I just, you've seen House of Cosby, I've right? seen the first episode. I can't remember if I've seen anything other than that. But yeah, like there's a, there's a so long... So much of the DNA of a lot of his other things can be found in... Yeah, it's it's improvised. It's It's got a lot of foul language. It's him doing every other voice. It's Yeah, there's a lot of... Andy Samberg's in it, like it's. There's some really interesting. Yeah, I caught that. Well, that was pre SNL. Andy Samberg too. That was when Lonely Island was just. When Lonely his Island thing. was yeah. just for dudes that were key holders at GameStop. <laughs> That's a very specific mental image I have. Unfortunately, in my head, there's just like, yeah, he's got a chin strap beard, a very large sword Zelda collection, tattoo. Zelda tattoo, a large sword collection. Well, only tell you about the time he got to go to Vegas because he sold enough game doctors. Yes, yes, yes. Or he's got a uh, body pillow of either Asuka or Ray or both. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> very familiar with that guy. But, yeah, apparently there, in the Justin Roiland case, there was uh, body camera footage, police reports. You know, he's he's got a um, he's got a restraining order. Long and short of it is that they're not going to hear any arguments until April of this year which will make it a year and three months since the incident actually took place, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, so very strange that it took this long, but I guess that could just be California's justice system, how long it takes stuff to go. But the fact that we didn't hear about it till just now, that's yeah, number maybe one. Maybe they had to work it around Rick and Morty's schedule. I don't know. <laughs> there's there's jokes here. There's, yeah. I'm... <laughs> I just, it, it's baffling to me. And it's one of those things where it's like, how much does... 
Warner Discovery. I don't know. I don't know. But it's just like, how much pull did that have in it? You know, like, well, we got a game coming out, and we got this season of Rick and Morty, and we got this other thing he's working on, and then we got a Solar Opposite season. So can we put a pin in this until, like, three years from now? Like, <laughs> is that how it works? Is that, you know, I don't know. It was strange. <sighs> wow, you know, it's just... I just don't know what to believe anymore if the Ricky Mori man can get away with um, being awful to people. Rico Morto. Yeah, it is Warner Brothers Discovery who owns Adult Swim, by the way. So uh, they, of course, declined to comment because what are they going to say? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, well, I mean, I'd be afraid to ask them anything unless they cancel something else. Yeah. I it's like, I'm, I still don't know what if Bird Girl is still a go or not. Yeah. Oh, oh God, you haven't watched yeah, Bird you're Girl, right. No, I've watched the first season. Oh, it was great. It was a great bucket, spinoff. Bucket Hat Dog is... <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great spinoff of Harvey Birdman. I love the that they keep bringing up Phil Ken Seven, even though, uh, even though he's not on the show anymore. And, like... So, yeah. Very strange. Rick, uh, Ricky Morty, uh, Rico Mordo, is uh, possibly having some, having some jail time. I don't yeah. know. Very well, strange. What else we got on the hopper there? Oh, on the hopper today... Something another TikTok thing. So sorry to keep Jeez. bringing TikTok into this, but I'm this was old. Some, I know tired but... and confused. Why you keep why you keep bringing me the TikTok? I see Binder Part One. This is about the whitest thing I've seen in a while. In case I go missing. So it is a TikTok of a woman describing the contents of what she calls her "In Case I Go Missing" binder. It is a binder of things, because apparently she's a true crime fanatic. And she believes she is going to be the victim of a crime at any moment now. So she has compiled an entire binder full of things like medical records, handwriting samples, hair samples, fingerprints, anything that would, you know, that would uh, enable you to identify her body and figure out who killed her. Yeah, contact info from her friends and exes. <laughs> if someone told me, that like you know, someone tells me I have like a bug out bag or something sure. like that. Like you know, okay, whatever. I get whatever gives you peace of mind, and I wouldn't be necessarily like too weird out if someone told me that they had done this. But there is absolutely something deranged about making content out of it. Yeah, posting it on TikTok seems like a bridge too far because anyone who can find out your location now has an entire binder of a way to steal your identity. That's point number one. And then, you know, point number two, they could plant your hair and your fingerprints at a crime scene. So it seems a little weird to me. I don't know. It's it's this weird, like, and I keep saying white woman, but I just, that's the thing I'm getting. I'm getting, like, you know, the the my favorite murder and murderinos vibe from it. Like, I got to have this ready just in case. Just in case what? Yeah, like, the premise of doing this because you think you're going to be crimed is really fucking weird. If someone told me they were doing this because like they were going whitewater rafting or bungee dump jumping while on uh, special K, like yeah, okay, right, yeah, sure. Like you're you know, be- you're you're engaging in a behavior where you might have an accident or you might go missing or I'm gonna go hike the Appalachian Trail. Here's a bunch of my identifying information. Hey, okay. maybe make an AI out of me someday. You know, like whatever. <laughs> like okay, sure, but like sure, you think that like going, you know. There's a very, very old Something Awful article that Lotax wrote many, many years ago. I'm sure like over 20 years ago where there was always the statement that stuck with me that like the only thing Lifetime has is show. And this is of the time, the joke 
shows about women they're afraid they're going to get walking to the grocery store to buy more ice cream <laughs> and it, oh I, it's just interesting to see the this neurosis that women have about violence coming onto them which isn't completely unfounded i'm not saying that but no. it's how it is expressed and yeah, how people deal with it which is unhealthy and weird for me like i'm a dumbass i know i'm gonna stub my toe doing something really fucking stupid one day and i have and i will do right. it again <laughs> it's a foregone conclusion i will stub my toe like walking too excitedly towards the fridge because i forgot <laughs> oh i have treats in there because i am a fat lonely fuck he's a treat boy ladies a little and gentlemen. treat boy like oh i have a cornetto left in there but like knowing me also would be like something like oh there's <laughs> i have some soup crackers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing nice like a cornetto or like. like I just, I'm just like, oh, I can just eat a handful of soup crackers while I wait for DoorDash to show me up. <laughs> I do that, but with like, oh, I got a, a bag of celery that's in the fridge. It's, that's it's about to go bad. go bad. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna go bad. And you know what? I'm gonna chop that up and get some ranch, and I'm just gonna sit in front of the you know, whatever hey, show. Ranch celery is so. There's no satisfying goated. way to enjoy celery. It's goaded. Ranch and celery is the only way. You can't. The only other way to do celery is with peanut butter. And yeah. That's on the login to get the the raisins, but I I don't fuck with raisins anymore. So and, and that's, <laughs> that's it. not cash money to you. It is not cash money to me. No, <laughs> not a fan. I, uh, the raisins are for children. I'm a man. I only. That's eat, right. <laughs> I only eat craisins because they have more fiber. Uh, so yes, this is a uh, death binder. In case I go missing, binder brought to you by TikTok user at saver.it.all. And then the caption is, tell me you're listening to a little too much true crime without telling me you're listening to a little too much true crime. Uh, what's really interesting is that several users have come on and corrected her. In the video, she shows herself cutting a hair sample in case they need it for DNA testing. Several people, because they also listen to true crime podcasts, have informed her that in order to get a DNA sample, the DNA is actually at the root. So she had to make a follow-up video where she's using tweezers and getting the root mm. to actually get the, the hair sample correct for her uh, in-case-I-go-missing binder. Now, this is not what Mitt Romney was talking about with his binders full of women, but I kind of wish it was. It would have made him more interesting as a candidate. Got to be honest. I just... <laughs> Yeah, if there was like anything like legitimately freaky about Romney that wasn't like blue blood weirdo bullshit. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's weird enough that he's hardcore Mormon, hardcore Mormon, and like his is he like a Bain Capital? Yeah, yeah. which um, when I worked for Guitar Center, Bain Capital was in the process of being that company into the ground like a fucking wife that burnt the roast Oof, yeah dude i mean there's stories about people that were i don't want to get into it too deep but there's stories about guys when guitar center first went public that became millionaires overnight and they stayed with the company met some of those dudes they all look like the sort of guys that have done coke with jeff beck and it's probably true uh, yeah, rest jeff in peace, jeff beck, yeah. one one of the wildest white boys that ever do it um <laughs> <laughs> but stories about after Bain Capital buying Guitar Center and keeping those some of those dudes around like as consultants mm. and those dudes showing up at like uh, fucking manager meetings like in Vegas and shit where everyone from all the stores and upper management yeah. go and have this big conference. This guy's getting housed in the back of the fucking conference room being like, this company ain't going to fucking last, you fucking nerds. Oof. And uh, 
Yeah, we can cut some of the. the no, that's that fine. Out. But yeah. here, don't worry about cutting. I'll cut. You, okay, you just keep okay. talking. Yeah, just keep just keep with the funny. Yeah. Just... So I so I see uh, I see you found the other thing that's making people in the internet all. Uh... In a DC Comics issue, uh, the Joker, who is pregnant, <laughs> and the absolute morons. At, at Daily Loud posted the out of context image saying the Joker becomes pre- becomes a pregnant chan- transgender man in new DC comic eyeball emoji. Now of course they meant this in this weird like, oh look at how woke DC is and it's tri-. it's the most idiotic thing I've seen because as at bite me shows later. It's completely out of context, number one. Number two, nowhere in the text of it does it mention that the Joker is a trans man. And number three... Well, I know how I got these scars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these butcher doctors took my boobs. Um, <laughs> something like So the, the context for the panel is that Joker battles the DC superhero Zatanna. You know who Zatanna is? Top uh, hat. Yeah. Is magician Big, lady. Yeah, magician lady. And her whole thing is if she can speak it backwards, she can make that thing happen. That's her magic power. So Zatanna curses the Joker by saying, no one will ever bear your children. But she says it backwards, of course. Well, the spell backfires. And instead of no one being able to bear the Joker's children, he is now able to bear his own Oh, so he's <laughs> he's so he he's Eric Cartman's mom. Yeah, so he uh, so the spell unintentionally impregnates him. He then vomits up a mutant baby Joker later in the issue. It's the biggest non-issue since Superman's son being gay. I don't understand so why weird. people are stupid on this. What we're gonna do is we're gonna I'm gonna impreg the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It does kind of read a little bit like fetish art, but it's also, in context, very funny. Like, Zatanna is a character that not a lot of people are that familiar with. Right. Like, maybe you've seen her in Injustice, the games, or something like that. I think like, she's in the Harley Quinn. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she's in the Harley like Quinn for show. A yeah. Uh, but, but she's a C, D tier character. And, and so, like, her cursing the Joker. And then unintentionally getting him pregnant. To me, that's brilliant. That's really funny. That's an interesting way to go. You got magic. Fuck it. Do weird shit sure. with it. Do do whatever. So yeah, I, I think that's using Zatanna to her to her limits. And this this idea of like the Joker gets pregnant and how does he deal with it? And the first thing he asks, do we have a good OBGYN we use? Like, his Joker organization apparently ha- runs into this problem a lot. Do I mean, we have a good OBGYN? <laughs> listen, listen. His, his boy, he's been henching through IBU. True. You know, and they got good insurance. <laughs> right. And, you know, he's just, he's just, you know, yeah, why not? The uh, International Brother of Evil Workers? Is that what? <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'll, work, we'll go with that riff. Uh, <laughs> Throw up on the board, Jamie. <laughs> So yeah, this manufactured outrage about the Joker being a pregnant trans woman or transgender man, excuse me, it's just it's ridiculous on its face because like that's literally not what happens. It's the same thing with with any any number of contrived you know made up 
bullshit yeah, about it's, comics. This is fu- fucking culture war, faux bullshit. <laughs> it's like, oh, but you know what? If the Joker was a pregnant transgender man, I don't know. That might be interesting. Yeah, that, that, uh, <laughs> that would be. You know, I I would. I would read that. Yeah. Sure, whatever. Sure. Like, I mean, as long as it's not like fucking hokey, like the fucking Velma shit. Yeah, that's fair. But like, <laughs> or, or even if it was like, uh, the Batman and the Joker fucked and, you know. <laughs> Batman, the Joker, and Catwoman are in a throuple. Fine. Sure, Make it whatever. work. Yeah. It's... Whatever. They can have DJ nights and <laughs> drink stag and um, one, of them, one of them's really into mopeds. It's, and that's they have one of those hairless cats. Harley Quinn is uh, their friend who is a doula. Yeah. <laughs> she made sure to burn sage all around the bat cave. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah. It's just... it writes itself. It's great. I love <laughs> it. Writes it writes itself right into a fucking brick wall <laughs> at 100 enough. miles per hour. Yeah. Well, like, hopefully. A, like a fucking Tesla when it smells a child. <laughs> but at least, but at least that would be interesting. Cause like I've spent the past year or so avoiding catching up on Batman because there's been this long running thing that both is this about Batman eating the pussy? No, no, that, that, that was funny, but for different reasons. No, it was called the Batman who laughs Mm -hmm. and it was this insanely stupid series, but they were trying something, you know, they were doing this thing, but it's DC. That's their whole deal is they're like, well, how about we do this? You know, how about we, you know, kill this guy or do the, at least they're. <laughs> I feel like Marvel these days is a lot more risk averse. I think the only thing that Marvel's done that's even been close to something like this is when they made, when they made Steve Rogers not Steve Rogers when they made the new Captain America into an open Nazi, and that was oh, years ago. That. Yeah, that was years ago. So uh, yeah, I mean DC will really just throw anything at the fucking wall, which. Is how we got Batman to begin with. So yeah, sure. it's just it's like whatever. Sure, yeah. I'm not a huge comic book nerd, but I feel like DC has better characters. Well, Marvel tends to have better ball stories. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with like who's writing too, though. Sure. Oh boy, are we going? To, are we going to the scam? You're listening to 48 minutes of dogs barking the podcast. And now it's time for the crypto scam of the week. Yes, okay. it is. Uh, it is that time for the crypto scam of the week once again. This week is something that you brought to my attention that I had never heard of before. Chic. Now I'm pronouncing that. I'm just guessing based on what it looks like. It looks like. Oh yeah, I sent that to you because like I've seen so many fucking projects, yeah. particularly on like uh, BSC, the Binance chain, where it's just like a guy's is kind of like I'm kind of fucking done with this. <laughs> Good luck. So it, it so the 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 text we have from at CryptoPen on Twitter, dollar sign chic done, and then he formats it like a 4chan green text post, which I always find funny on these things. Claims to have 12 million wallet. Announces buybacks to punish jeetery. Oh, I don't know what the... So, ajit is a derogatory term. Oh, pajit? Like pajit. Indian, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, jeeting is when, you know, a crypto goes up one, two, three X, or two or three X. One X would just be what it is. Uh, two or three X, and chart looks good, healthy, blah, blah, blah. 
and everyone starts fucking selling for small gains, and then, so you say the chart looks jeeted. Okay, so yeah. as in those those small retail investors in small countries like India are selling to get a small profit. Yeah, because like you know, um, someone like in the Western world may not, if they're playing the degenerate crypto game, may not want to get out for a couple hundred yeah. bucks profit. Right, because they're going to hold. Right, or they're going to, they're going, they're playing a different game, but places in like like the philippines or india sure. a couple hundred bucks that's fucking money fucking you flip you flip 50 bucks into 300 bucks 400 bucks yeah you can fucking live off that a lot for a well, while a lot yeah. longer the, that money goes further there so it's a different game depending on where you are situated in the world i suppose gotcha so that was a long way of explaining that like white people are racist on yeah in crypto well he's using the 4chan carrots to to denounce to 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 denote like a a green text so i knew immediately like okay this is going to be derogatory in some way (laughs) someone someone someone's going to get their feelings hurt Uh, the next line community and chart begins ripping with excitement again people realize he's just pulling lp i'm guessing liquidity pool yes okay and then it puts almost all the usdc side of liquidity pool into chart Calls it quits. Wishing good luck is insane. LOL. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely because this is. I'm, I'm looking at the chart here that he posted, and I'm I'm twelve hours. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like not even a full day's worth. So it looks like they 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 yeah they were at, at uh, let's see here six a.m. and by eleven p.m. or no by eleven a.m. the following day. The uh, values at zero, so or near to zero, as near to zero as you're going to get. It's been a while since I've seen something like that in the crypto space, but like uh, like a year, year and a half ago, particularly on BSC, we see that all the time. One of my favorite ones I ever got to sit and watch was one where a dev in the fucking Telegram was like, "Okay, we're going to launch. Here's the here's the the contract address, and people pump it, and then he fucking pulls liquidity." And he's like, hold on a second. There was a bug in the contract. Let me fix it. Launches it again. I kid you not. Dude rugged on the same contract three or four times in like an hour. Jesus Christ. It was amazing to watch. It was one of my (laughs) one just sitting there in the telegram like this is fucking amazing. But there's also so many that are just like, you know, hey, thanks for the money. Like, and I close the talk. Dude, three or four times in one night is wow. But like, on the same contract. On the same. Oh my God. It's enough to get burned by somebody else. He would disable sales. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was fucking amazing. Wild. Yeah. So it is still the Wild West out there. Of course, not financial advice. You know that we are very, very anti crypto. At least I am, just for the fact that. Retail investors like myself would get fleeced big time by something like this. So the Schadenfreude is just so high. No, it it's is hard to ignore. Yeah, that's why. That's why my, one of my favorite accounts is still at Butcoin because yeah. it's between Butcoin and Web three is going great. Just showing Some you the follows. folly of <laughs> of the human endeavor that we call Bitcoin. Yeah, or any uh, coin. Because yeah, this was. If I'm looking this, this was L Bank announced it was going to exchange. It's called Shikoku Inu, another Dogecoin adjacent yeah. thing. Of course, it was Dubai that announced it. It said, "Yeah, it's officially billed for trading January 9th. And this post about 
about Sheik being done was January 10th. It wasn't even a whole day. <laughs> that's so amazing. Wow. Oh, boy. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a crypto scam of the week. I'm I'm <laughs> at a certain point. I just kind of go, well, fuck. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just there's not really much else to say because, like, you know, at this point, hopefully, you would know at this point that you know it's a toxic asset. Even. Yeah, I mean, like ninety over ninety percent of it's bullshit. Oh, God. It, it, what was it? Wasn't there some audit that said like? I think it was of, of NFTs, but it was something specific uh, like Uniswap. that. Uniswap. Okay, Uniswap, Uniswap coins. Yeah. That it was something like 99% of them were <laughs> bullshit, um, which is amazing. <sighs> um, and I remember some big crypto guy was like, yeah, I'm just going to like do some napkin math here and say that's like less than a thousand projects that uh, are on Uniswap. Well, the fact that there were 100,000 projects on Uniswap is pretty impressive to begin with. And the fact yeah. that 99,900 of them were. Well, how many times can you, you relaunch, like, you know, Bape or something? <laughs> I've seen probably, like, or Cupcake Coin. Or hey. Food Coins were big. Dog Coins were big at a time. Uh, weird, like, Japanese mythology LARPing based around Shitoshi, who was the ship oh, guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, there was all kinds. Of, it's it just the narratives are weird. And uh, I feel like uh, my penis is never going to get touched again if I keep going. So <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, this is the, the main part of the show. This is relatively new. So I wasn't sure that it would necessarily fit in, but it definitely feels like there's a lot of lore and a lot of shit going on with it. And not a lot of people, at least in a lot of the mainstream outlets, are covering it when new seasons come up. I'm talking, of course, about the made-up baseball simulation slash horror game, Blaseball. Brian, are you familiar with no Blaseball? no fucking clue. You, you brought it up to me. I was like, I don't know anything about it, so go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, so the long and short of it is, is this group called The Game Band. They came out with it back in July of 2020. Again, still relatively new. It is a game, sort of, played via web browser. It takes the idea that if you had fantasy baseball for a series of made-up teams that don't exist, and the games were played algorithmically throughout a series of weeks, every hour, in a browser game, and that you could bet on them. Mm -hmm. So you can bet and you can earn coins. You can also make changes to the roster with votes. So it's a, it's you and whoever follows whatever team can vote that the pitcher is going to change or that, that, that we're going to steal a pitcher from another team or that we're going to steal. So it's a combination of like a, like a West of Loathing, a browser game, fantasy baseball, and also just some absurd writing that comes along with it. During each week the game is active, this is according to baseball themselves, a full season and championship series of Internet League Baseball is simulated with elections on Sundays in which the community can change the rules of the game itself. Non-player characters, like the league's owners, occasionally offer dialogue and a website and through Twitter accounts. So it's a ARG, too. There's just all yeah. sorts of elements to it that just add up to this really interesting concept. Now, I don't know, you know, we live in St. Louis, which is a very big baseball town, St. Louis Cardinals. They're a big best, deal. Best fans in baseball. Best fans in baseball. If you want if you want to see a white guy be <laughs> racist to someone who isn't white, go down to Bush Stadium in front of, yeah. <laughs> go down to baseball 
Park is that what it's fucking called? Like, it's Sports Park, Park Village. No, Ballpark Village. Yeah, Sportsman Park was the old stadium. Yeah, but uh, so when the Browns used to play there, that's that, was, right. that was a proper baseball town. That's right. When the gooey butter cake was popping hot, and the Emos pizza still tasted like dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Polygon, I think, has one of the more definitive pieces on this. It is uh, written by Sam Grazes back in August of 2020. It opens with, It's a beautiful day for Blaseball as Jessica Telephone steps up to the plate. She taps her left cleat with the blunt edge of her gunblade bat, dislodging a clod of dirt, peanut shell, and congealed blood. <laughs> she effortlessly lifts the bat and points it through the clouds of swarming birds to the left field bleachers, calling her shot to the Hades Tigers fans in the crowd. A hush falls over the stadium as King Weatherman nods at the catcher, winding up as his signature suit jacket flaps in the wind behind him. Across the league, Comfort Septemberish steals home, tying a postseason game and opening the door for Alden Cash Money to hit a two-run homer that would catapult the Breckenridge Jazz hands into the second round of the playoffs. Somewhere in the distance, Atlas Guerrera of the Chicago Firefighters unleashes a curveball so powerful it re-reverses the flow of the Chicago River. <laughs> So that is, that is some pretty good writing. And this is stuff that is not written by the Blaseball team. This is community writing. Yeah. So the the Blaseball site as it stands, and I'll show you what it looks like today because the new season just started, which is why it's on top of my mind. So Blaseball is very bare bones of website. You know, you pick your team when you sign in, and I've picked my team. My team is the Seattle Garages. Uh, for the garage rock bands that were very popular in the area. Uh, they are currently listed as a chaotic evil team. They have 46 wins and 27 losses on the season. The season started on, you know, a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. So they've already played 83 games of simulated baseball. Um, so let's see here. Yeah, under modifications, the team went rogue. Official review pending. But if you look through, you know, like the roster, it just shows the name of the players, their star rating, you know, what rotation they're in, not a lot of detail. So a lot of what happens in Blazeball is that events happen in the game, and then the, the readers, the people who are playing along at home, are creating all this content, like that piece I just read you. None of that is explicitly stated on the Blazeball site. Yeah. You're never going to see that writing anywhere but that Polygon piece that that one writer just cranked out. Like, here's the stats. I created this entire scenario. That type of thing happens so often that Blazeball has kind of taken on its own bizarre second fandom. It's almost like, are you familiar with Homestuck? Yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Well, Homestuck is, is a very similar thing where a lot of fan creation almost overtakes the thing that it's being a fan of yeah the same thing is happening with blazeball and that's what i find so interesting about it there is in fact a blazeball the musical.com <laughs> <laughs> and yes there is a, a bit of a 51 minute blazeball the musical that you can watch on youtube i will include it in the in the show description Uh, <laughs> a 
original music written about a previous season. Uh, it's called, it's subtitled The Deaths of Sebastian Telephone. Sebastian Telephone was a, I believe it was a, a pitcher for one of the teams who was died, was resurrected, died again, was resurrected. <laughs> uh, and so his many different deaths are explored in this musical. None of which, like I said, is on the website itself. The website itself is pretty much just pure stats. And then something odd will happen, right, in a, in a game, and, and something else will... The Twitter account operator of a, a group called ESTN Blaseball says, In the world of Blaseball, there is a world and it is unwritten. If Blaseball teams in a league exist, it stands to reason there is media, there are news teams, all these things must exist. In this weird cosmic horror world, who is delivering the news? And so they created an entire fake sports network to deliver baseball news. So there's amazing. <laughs> it's it's really begging for fan creations. You know, there's there have been entire like I said, there's musicals, there's songs been written about Jessica Telephone, who is not the same as the other one. There was just the Seattle Garages themselves have a band named after them, and this band like has records out like so it's just there's so much to dig into and it's only like i said two and some change years old i appreciate that i, I appreciate like, i appreciate the the fandom and their creativity and their exploration of things like that that's nice that's very i, I feel like it is neat that they are creating this stuff on their own interpreting things like this rather than letting the centralized body of blaze ball the people behind it telling people what's what uh, Sam Joel and Steven, the, the two folks behind them uh, said they feel honored that people have connected with it. You know, they wanted the collaborative attitude to continue. Here's a quote from them. We're all slowly deciphering the will of the baseball gods. Each and every season, the game band has discovered some things and the community has discovered things as well. They liken it to mythology with similar legends being repeated and reworked across cultures. <laughs> they note that even though the four gods are all distinct, in many ways, Dias is Zeus, is Jupiter, is Tyr. I'm glad that the creators embrace it, much like Andrew Hussey of, of Homestuck embraced the, the kind of rough-hewn, handmade fandom Jeez. of Homestuck. And that's, believe me, we'll do a Homestuck episode in the future, but but I'm not in the I mood. I just knew so many people that worked cons or volunteered at them right. that were like, yeah, we had like this really good relationship with this hotel that we built up over years and years and years. And then Homestuck fans ruined it in, like, one day. <laughs> it doesn't take much. So, yeah, if you're really interested in the Blazeball canon, there's a series of sites. The Chicago Firefighters one, it's blazeball.fandom.com because, of course, everything has to be a fucking fandom site. Oh, it looks like fandom actually kicked the Blazeball people off. All right, well. Well, uh, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Fuck fandom. Go to hell and die. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. This is my second year playing baseball. It's really simple. You sign up, you pick your team, and your team is pretty much locked in. You you you, you would have to. It's it's convoluted to change who your team is, and honestly, just pick a team. <laughs> it's, it's it's an enjoyable ride either way. I like the Seattle Garages because it's the first team I ever picked, and they came through for me last season. But you know, you you place bets on games. Who's going to win? Right. Yeah, and you you pay with these fake fake coins. There is no microtransactions. You don't have to buy any of the coins. You're given an x amount of coins at the start of each season. You bet on the games. 
The coins then get you the ability to buy stuff for your team, right? And then you can get votes. And votes are the coolest thing. Because every week during the baseball season, there is blessings that you can vote for. <laughs> now, these blessings are really cool. Um, one of them is max out pitcher, right? Okay, that's easy. Steal best batter, right? Strike zero. A division rival will receive the worst overall player. <laughs> Let's see here. We've got one called Guess Who's Thwack. Boost your lineup's thwack, which is one of the stats for batters, mm -hmm. by one star. Uh, you got Wind Spirits. That one is your team's defense and running are boosted by one star, which is obviously the Wind Spirits are helping you run faster and all that. So these blessings that are referenced as, you know, open the forbidden book. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is one of the blessings you can choose. You can choose to open the forbidden book. We don't know what opening the forbidden book does. Um, in the previous season, what had happened was all of the teams got sucked into a black hole, which is why they... I heard about I, This is one little thing I did in my very <laughs> brief bit of research before saying, yeah, let's do it. I saw that. I'm like, wait, a black... Okay, yeah, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Moments ago, the universe has ended. A god is dead. A black hole swallowed the league. Play was stopped. <laughs> <laughs> now a new beginning. Officials gather. Challengers orbit. Will you help them? Can our heroes escape the gravity of their situation? So yes, they, uh, they, com they completely overhauled the game, essentially, and uh, relaunched it. And boy, it was... Because, you know, like I said, it was, it was released in July of 2020. It was the perfect pandemic time killer. Sure. On the hour, every hour, there were a dozen games happening with, you know, 24 teams. And you could follow along as they... And it's, it's all happening not in real time, like faster than real time. So if you really wanted to, like, watch these games happen in box scores, you had to really be, like, paying attention. Because you'd go away for 10 minutes to use the bathroom and, like, oh, crap, we're at the top of the ninth. What happened? And so on the hour, every hour, for days on end... These, these teams just slug it out and it's just, it's fascinating all the stories that kind of come up behind it, but also just like from a baseball perspective, like, yeah, what would happen if, you know, a real, like someone who's a St. Louis Cardinal uh, was, let's say incinerated on the, <laughs> on the batters in the batter's box and then brought back to life through arcane magic. What would happen? <laughs> like would, would Pujols be able to get, you know, another would couple Pujols of runs stop running like he was, uh, Running like an NPC in Company of Heroes. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Like a grenadier. Yeah. To me, that that's most interesting. There's all these weird sci-fi elements. It's a, it's a fun ride. If you get a chance, go there. Blazeball.com. B-L-A-S-E. It's baseball with an L right in the front. Um, really a lot of fun. Brian, does this sound like something you would want to do? It sounds interesting. I I That's I, a no. I appreciate <laughs> No, no, no. I the whole entire time you're describing is like, man, if I were like 19, mm, mm -hmm. I would definitely kill a summer on this shit. Well, what's great is that it only lasts for a couple of weeks. It doesn't even last the whole, you know. Mm. So it's it's. I might check out. I might fuck with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just have so many things uh, going on at the moment. But in theory, yeah, yes, it would something I would maybe fuck with for a second and see what what I think of it. Well, everything you've told me, it sounds interesting. It sounds like an interesting little online community. It sounds like a fun little game. Yeah, and they just got three million in seed funding and expanded their team to like twenty five 
people because originally it was just two people. And so now they've got like a whole team working on it. And so the future is That's looking cool. up for them. Yeah, it's really exciting. But, but yeah, just a weird internet fandom. And you'll find like fan art of, of players that were obviously sucked up into the black hole and are not back for this season. So you may not make heads or tails of it. But uh, <laughs> I like that. Just, People taking it that far. Oh, yeah. Fan art and musicals. And just, you'd be you'd be really surprised the amount of like if you just search baseball on like Twitter or even Tumblr. Tumblr is obviously where a lot of the fandoms go just in general. But like, boy, there's just uh, Jessica Telephone was a big story. Um she was on a hot streak and like then a bunch of like rival teams got a boon to where she was like lost an arm. I can't remember the whole story. It's really fascinating. If you go through the Jessica telephone saga Uh, (laughs) and some people have sat there and wrote it out. Like that's great. Just based on box scores and some item descriptions. So they're, they're their own little dark souls, Vati Vidya guys going through like creating mountains of content out of bare bones stuff. It's I love it. That's great. I love that type of thing. So yes, that, that fandom is really fun. Um, So Brian, I guess now that we've exhumed the dead blazeball gods, <sighs> brace yourself. Oh no! It's shock.jpg. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Shock.jpg. This week is an exceptional one because it's recent, and because it came to us from Twitter. Most of the time when I do shock.jpg, it's something older. It's something that, you know, has been around a while. It's something that maybe you might have seen, you know, in forums days or, you know, it's something that you might have seen on a dial-up connection. It's something older. This one is, you know, 2016. So uh, it's called McChicken. I'd fuck it. No, that's exactly what it is. It's a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just I'm I'm just remembering oh, an the old, ad campaign. No, yeah. no, there was an old fucking shit posty flash cartoon that was socked a hedgehog at McDonald's. He goes, you know, sees the McChicken for two dollars, he goes, Mmm, McChicken. I'd fuck it. And that's just always been every single time I ever see McChicken. Okay. Not yeah. that I go to McDonald's very often. Right. You'll see it every once in a while. No, um, that, it, what, that was an ad campaign that they had on the web. It was, I'm a McDouble guy. $2, I'd hit it. And so oh. I think that was a direct reference to the fact that they had a real ad campaign with a guy looking at a cheeseburger like, I'm going to fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, giving them cheeks. Yeah. At Sickening J took it to the next level. Gave us this masterpiece. Um, I'm really glad your shoulder's blocking it. Oh, it is a um, it is a guy with his with his dick through the fly of his boxers. A considerable hog with a considerable hog, and he is um, well, he's jacking off with a McChicken. That's really what it is. (laughs) There's really no other way to put it. There's no there's no easy way to. uh... Now it is a 17 second clip. Thankfully, uh, we do not see if he finishes. I'm assuming he does. But again, that could just be mayonnaise, so who the hell knows? Oh. But uh, uh, <laughs> yes, so at Sickening J, I believe. Now, why this says. Keep, why, th- we, why we keep playing? <laughs> it's just, this is looping. I don't know. <laughs> why can we, can we look at something else? Sure. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the thing that, about that I really hate. Yeah. It's not the guy is fucking a McChicken. Hmm. Instead of the tried and true food fucking thing, which is you take a 
loaf of rye mm. you hollow it out mm-hmm. put a piece of liver in there and pour uh, hot water in it then you yeah. fuck that and then you feed the piece of liver to your mom is that fucking portnoy's complaint <laughs> <laughs> no it's just something i remember from johnny rotten's biography that like uh one of the other other members of the sex pistols was really into taking a loaf of rye bread hollowing it out a little bit oh wow putting a piece of liver in there and then fucking it and then apparently feeding like the liver to like one of the dudes from the clash or something because like the clash were like the fucking beach boys of the punk scene yeah in the 70s the thing that really makes me look down my nose at this guy jacking off with a mcchicken (laughs) is that he's he he's doing the one sex move thing that i just have no respect for which is putting your dick through the fly of your boxers because you're already wearing a really comfortable undergarment you're not you're not down on that you don't i think that's lazy oh i think uh i think you gotta work for it a little bit so you're saying take take them all the way down yeah or like or just like you know like to the mid thigh you gotta get you gotta put your ass into it man because like if you if jerking off if, if you make jerking off too easy what's the point of jerking off you gotta work for it because it's fun and I can do it by myself and I don't need you know. Oh no, man! Like, there's just times where I think, like, you know what? I bet if I tied one of my arms around my back, this would be a lot cooler. <laughs> You're doing the Dark Souls of jerking off, where you can <laughs> only do it by... jerking <laughs> off with the the Donkey Kong bunghouse. <laughs> I got to do it backwards and I gotta... the the zero percent any skip where you're trying to like nut instantly. Try, yeah, the, the, the god tier <laughs> is when you got a bandaid on one of your fingers. You're not trying to have the bandaid fall off. Oh, the old Captain Hook. Anyway, so <laughs> where you got your you have your hand like you found like a leaf bug or something. You're like, oh look at this. <laughs> Oh, baby, that's the 48 minutes of dogs barking riff of the week. Been there, done that. Ladies, if a guy's trying to pipe you down by just lazily throwing his hog through the fly of his his boxers, don't fuck him. I don't know. What do you think about f- fucking through the fly of your boxers? Shoot us an email, 48 minutes of dogs barking <laughs> at gmail.com. Call us, text us, 314-246-9766. Why not? Let's hear Let's hear it from the, the peanut gallery, as it let's were. Let's hear it from the doggers. The doggers. That's right. Every every week I have I wouldn't to... listen. If that was I wouldn't let that guy fuck my wife. No. Well even sure. if even if we were on vacation and I promised her <laughs> said this is a treat. Just You're gonna for have you, to honey. find another guy from yeah. the scuba class. <laughs> it feels very real. I don't know why. <laughs> it's so very specific. I love it. So, uh, from fucking a McChicken to uh, <laughs> the breath mint, fucking yes, the breath mint. It's time, isn't it? It's, it's time. time for the breath mint. I yeah. think I've got two good things and two bad things. All right, let's hear. Start out with a bad thing. Oh, okay. Thor, love and thunder. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Just another. You know, when all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Showgirls wasn't that bad. Verhoeven's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a master of understatement compared to the, yeah. I knew it was bad. I had heard from people who were huge fucking nerds that it was bad. And people, I trusted their opinions, but I was like, I can't. I mean, it's a Marvel movie. They're all kind of inherently bad. But this was like, this is a terrible script. Mm. Uh, this is terrible CGI. Mm. It takes characters that were fun and make them shitty. It brings back characters that were unnecessary. We didn't need Natalie Portman to come back. I differ an opinion on that. I like, I liked the run in Thor in the Marvel comics where Jane Foster became the Almighty Thor. Yes. So to me, like, 
Of course. Natalie Portman was Jane Foster in the in the Kenneth Branagh Thor movie. So yes, of course she's going to be the Almighty Thor in in this one. That makes sense. That's totally thematically right. It, if if you want to have it this way, go with Natalie Portman. She's she performs well. She's funny. I like the way that that her and and the Valkyrie interact. To me, that's the core of the movie, and it really shouldn't have been about Thor at all. If you're going to make a Thor movie about Lady Thor, about about you know the, the I think it would have been more interesting had Thor not been in it. Yes. Yeah, I think. If it was strictly Jane Foster versus the God Killer, whatever his name is, God Gore, Gore the, God. the God Killer, yeah, yeah, and 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 also well, wasted performance there, and it's also so weird that like that's such a serious character. Oh, I all love Christian pa- Bale, and yeah, he's out of place completely with all movie. this deep pathos and you know a really great performance, and then the rest of the movie is like, what if a fart could wear a smile? Yeah, it's, it's buried. I don't know, I don't know, Thor. What if, what if we uh, killed the guy with smiles? Yeah, that's um, <laughs> it, it, oh my god, it's, tra- it's, it's Charlie uh, from Charlie uh, from Smiling Friends. Friends. He does that kind of sound like the Taika Waititi character Korg, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, it it it's it's weird. I saw it the drive-in, and I think part of the the reason I enjoyed it more then than I did on a rewatch was because you know at the drive-in it's BYO, so yeah. I was. Uh, you know, I was fairly housed and full of pizza, and I was just ready for something stupid. And it definitely fulfilled that role of something stupid. But you're right. Even of the Thor movies, it's a weak leg. Like Ragnarok was more fun. Ragnarok was great. Ragnarok is probably one of the strongest Marvel movies. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum in that motherfucker. Are you kidding the me? The second Thor movie, I uh, barely Dark World. Yeah, it's a slog. barely remember. Yeah, there's not much to it. The first one's fun. Like that's all I remember. It's fun. Holy shit! Did that movie not need to ever be made? Yeah, you could have really folded that into any number of other things that already exist. You could have had, you know, that been the so next. So this goes Loki. back to my theory that the solo mm. uh, Marvel movies are only at least entertaining if they mm. have Doctor Strange in it. I would, yeah. I mean, Doctor Strange or Hulk. Rock had Doctor Strange in the beginning. Oh, you're right, it did. My Doctor Strange theory. Yeah, it's holding. It's holding up so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see the pattern. Huh. Huh. So and uh, Infinity War and Endgame were Strange was in those heavily. Okay, yeah, all right, huh? I'm gonna have to revisit those and really look, really mm-hmm, start mm-hmm. paying I'm attention because yeah, you may you may be because uh, I have a I have a feeling because the Ant Man and Wasp Quantumania trailer dropped the other day, and they're bringing in a, a long running thing from the comics, Kang the Conqueror who is a character from the secret wars timeline and all this other stuff. And they brought him in, in the Thor spinoff TV series, Loki. Yeah. And so Kang the Conqueror was there, but he's trapped in the multiverse or whatever. And it was Loki that kickstarted this whole multiverse nonsense with, with the MCU and all that. So now they're going to go into the quantum realm. The quantum realm is basically its own universe. Kang's there, yada, yada, yada. And like, okay, but, you know, wouldn't somebody like the Sorcerer Supreme... I am the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> ...know about this guy? But I guess Wong is too busy hanging out with She-Hulk to, to <laughs> be all that worried about. God, I am, I am not so low on content to watch that I am going to watch She-Hulk. It was fun. It was fine. It was yeah, fun. Yeah, I don't... I'm I good. like Tatiana Mislani, so that carried it a lot for me. 
Um, she the was Daredevil guy, and Charlie Cox was in it for one episode. But yes, he's, but he's likes, in it. Everyone seems to enjoy his performance. Yeah, I know he, he's great. I watched like two or three episodes of Daredevil. I was like, yeah, this guy's got chops. Sure, whatever. You saw him in the Spider Man movie. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. in it for like three minutes. He's great. Yeah, it's sure. great. Like whatever. I hope I hope nothing bad happens to him that he no. doesn't deserve. Yeah, no. You know? So, so yeah. Uh, Love and just, Thunder. Yeah. What a bad movie. Just like all of it was like it looked like shit. The green screen. It's so cheap. bad. Yeah. And, but I looked it up. I looked up $250 million budget. But, but coming from Ragnarok and to that, if you put those two side by side, <sighs> Love and Thunder looks cheap. It just looks cheap. It's not that it is cheap. It's just that it, for some reason, and I'm guessing it's rushed production schedules, it just looks like they didn't have the time to finish it. The lighting is bad. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The the light the light matching between what's in the volume or whatever, yeah, and what's actually being cast upon the the physical actors is not matched very well. The the temperature is not good. The shed, the rim lighting is bad. It's just it looks it's off. There's something's off. off about it. Yeah, because like if you if you see it at the drive-in, you're gonna get washed out to begin with. So you're you're gonna miss a lot of that. But yeah, when I watched it at home on the nice projector that's like, you know, six feet from the wall, you start to see that stuff. You start to see the difference. Yeah. So the other thing that sucked and I think now sucks more than when I wanted, I forgot to talk about last week. Hmm. uh, This place rules. Yeah. You briefly mentioned it. I after off mic. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was interesting. So this place rules is the Channel Five all gas no breaks dude Andrew such and such, mm. and he got to do a little documentary that's like some really half baked Vice 2006 <laughs> shit, and some like, old Gavin McGinnis Vice shit too. Yeah, like that, yeah, that era. It's uh, it is an entertaining watch, but the politics are just fucking. Well, what's it even about? It's. It's about what led us up to like January six, kind of, but it has some both sideism in its politics, Ugh. and it doesn't go very deep into explaining itself, mm. and it kind of plays that to a strength in the fact that like there's just like a fucking black dude fucking just beasting a cigarette while doing push-ups while an activist guy from like Minnesota talks about how terrible it is not to have a foreskin. And you're just like, yeah, this is fucking weird. And, and the black guy's wearing a MAGA hat. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like, that, sounds shit- like, it's, it's, it, that sounds like outtakes from like a QAnon Anonymous episode. Like, you yeah, wouldn't... I mean, like it's, it, the absurdity of it is very well honed, and that's entertaining. But what it has to say is not much at all, and you would kind of expect it to be a little bit deeper. I have than... a point of view. Have a point of you know yeah. for it to have a something to say. Like it's it's a funny watch, but me and D were watching it. And I was like, yeah, it was entertaining, and like it definitely like reminds you just how fucking weird things were a couple of years ago. But it the argument is that like well the left and the right are both bad, and the left and right <sighs> media are both bad, and yeah. um, you know it was really really weird to see all this absurdity couched in like some fucking South Park like airing that atheist bullshit some like nihilist zoomer shit yeah Hmm. Hmm. and then homeboy uh got uh accused of some weird sex crime stuff uh this week so i don't know maybe all the money he's saving on tailored suits (laughs) 
<laughs> he can use uh, get a lawyer. Oh, God, God only knows. Um, so two things that suck. All right, well, and two things that are good. Hold, hold on. Uh, as a, as a corollary to this place sucks. If you're looking for a decent documentary, at least about January 6th itself, HBO Max does have a great one called Four Hours of the Capitol. Anyway, ah, uh, I have not seen that. I've seen it on. On the roll, because you know, fucking HBO Max's website feels like unless you go A to Z, you really don't know what you're looking at. I I thought I understood how computers work, (laughs) but uh, okay, two things are good season four of Stranger Things. Ah, okay, so you come around on it. All right, I it started out funky, yeah. I think it definitely has some huge weak spots, some of the weakest spots in the entire series so far. And it's all I, in the opening, too. So, yeah, it's all All the California stuff sucks except yeah. for Eleven being that chick in the face. <laughs> yes. And, and what's funny is that like, you never get to see the resolution of what happened to that, what happened to her life. I would have loved to have just, like, she, like, failed out of school. Oh, man. You know, whatever. Anyways. Didn't get that modeling job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Most of the stuff with 11 mm-hmm. was bad yeah i'd say to the very tail end of the nevada stuff yeah it really felt like they didn't know what to do with all of those characters so they just put them in a giant holding pattern for eight or nine episodes yeah and i think near the end it got good but god just like a lot of the exploratory stuff about what happened to 11 when she was young and like and how it then relates to the main big bad, and that's okay, but is just just like season two, all of that stuff is done in a very uninteresting fashion, which is weird because they nail so much more of like the eighties Stephen King vibe of like small town weird shit happening. Is it the government? Oh, but it's the government and like this mystic thing that is beyond our knowledge and comprehension. And is it the old gods? No. no, It's it's science um, gone wrong. Yeah. 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 So I think pretty much everything that happened like in Hawkins itself, I thought was pretty good. I thought, you know, I didn't realize that in the Stranger Things fandom, people hate Nancy. Yeah. That's so strange to me. Because I think Nancy is a entertaining character and a good center for a lot of exposition yeah i don't really know what the deal is with people not liking nancy i i always thought she was great um i think it's the other two man boys that are obnoxious <laughs> jonathan and, and steve. steve yeah yeah and not that they don't have their good points but they really did jonathan dirty in this season by turning for him sure into, yeah. turning him into a one-dimensional stoner guy and then yeah. argyle kind of sucks yeah kind of not you name great. him after the the funniest character in Die Hard, and then you waste him like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know, and just like turn him into like a bad photocopy of a Ching Chin Chong joke that no one really remembers the origin of anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it's just like uh, it was an extended Dave's not here joke. Yeah, just... yeah. I didn't really like it. The Russia stuff was fun. Oh yeah, uh, the guy who plays Murray just fucking nails it. Nails it. Killed just it. Just so oh, good. So good. Does stuff with the Russian prison and the work camp. Felt like, you know, it really it felt like something out of an 80s thriller. Yeah. And then you oh, had yeah. like a little bit of Metal Gear Solid in there with the prison <laughs> and some of the politics of it. And it was yeah. like, it was, it was good. Like, yeah. it was, um, that was good TV. You, you've got so much moving parts happening in the Russia story, though. Like, they get out of the prison. Oh, no, we got to go back to the prison. 
It was a li- like a I lot of that. I actually thought it was kind of neat that like we had to go back there and then like oh wait the demi gorgons there Shit. and then like yeah. and then like the evil sawdust <laughs> has oh, escaped. Uh, yeah, um, I thought actually I think actually what everything even though that is a weird plot move to make. I think everything that happened when they came back to the prison was pretty interesting. So, like, you know, you can be forgiven that, like, yeah. well, at least it was cool. Yeah, you can kind of go, well, it was worth it. And the stuff with Max was interesting. Oh, for sure. Hey, Sadie's... Kate Bush represents. Sadie yeah, Sink. geez. I never thought I would get sick and tired of that song, but... Run up the hill! Run... Yeah, it, it, boy, uh, if you were watching it when it first came out... Um... The, everyone was fucking gatekeep. Oh, you know what's weird, though? Here's the thing I don't understand. Huh. I mean, I'm a little young to have been that age in the 80s. I'm only right. 37. Well, we'll be 37 in a couple months. Um, hang on to 36. Yeah, as long hold as on I to can. it. Yeah. Uh, but I can't imagine like a lower middle class girl <laughs> in Indiana being like, I love Kate Bush. That's my fucking jam. I never would have thought that either. But I also remember that there was, you know, some, some girl in my middle school that was super into Susie and the Banshees. So, you know, you really never know like an older yeah. sibling maybe, but you never would have seen that from Billy. Cause he was a metalhead, So he was listening to like yeah. Van Halen or whatever. Anyway. They brought him back. The character who played Billy for a couple scenes and he yeah. fucking, he kills it. Yeah. He, uh, it's a, I feel like having his character die in season three was a, a little waste. bit of a waste. Yeah. Because he's so strong. And I thought that I didn't like that character at first. I'm like, ah, oh, dude, it's the mean older brother. But then, like, they keep peeling back the layers. Yeah. And, and yeah, he was a two. really well developed, really well written character. So, yeah, it, it is unfortunate that, like, because the story demanded it that he had to die. But, oh, boy. Yeah. Justice um, for Billy. Yeah. <laughs> so, just a lot of really strong stuff. Um, the, High school jocks. Oh yeah, it's so weird how quick that story moves away from like the everyday school stuff. Yep, like just immediately um, and they form a posse and they're gonna you know just like like nothing. Well, I feel like the other seasons took a little bit more time to introduce the oh, meat sure. of the story from like taking the kids out of their normal lives and stuff. And immediately, it's like the first or second episode, like, that shit's done. That shit's cashed. I, th- I, th- I think that's just the fact that they're, like, now on their fourth season, and they're like, okay, Hawkins has had enough. You know, they've they've dealt with enough weird shit. Yeah. And, and, and you as the audience know what's coming next, so let's just get there. I thought the bully shit was fine. I thought mm-hmm. was, there was some interesting stuff there. Um, some good callbacks to earlier stuff in the series. Generally liked it a lot. I did not like the ending of the season. That whole epilogue yeah. really fucking huffed dog balls. It, it dragged and dragged and dragged. And then, and... like, but it's also weird because, like, when you see the rift of the upside down through Hawkins, it really seems like, oh, this is the apocalypse. Yeah. And then, like, the next, and then it's like the next day where, like, oh, it's just, it just sucked. <laughs> you know, like, but, like, what you saw and what, like, the aftermath of that, you'd think, like, it would be this bigger change. And right. then, like, course and you have like the ash falling and letting people know that like oh the, the upside down has come through but like it just didn't hit with the weight i thought it, would. it doesn't feel like a cataclysm it feels like a mild inconvenience yeah um <laughs> which i mean yeah if if th- they, they could have just cut it right at that... that at that image like that that last image of they're looking over the hill or whatever it was and they see the devastation of hawkins cut to black you got it that's the ending yeah i think if they were going to sell it like undersell it like how like oh it's just an earthquake 
then maybe not show us the other devastation and horror of right. the upside down cutting through Hawkins. Yeah. Um, Cause it seems like a big deal. Yeah, it does. It seems like <laughs> it seems really weird to like step back on it for then like a 30 minute epilogue. And there's some good moments in that epilogue. Um, yeah. And there's some good acting. I think the shot near the end of the epilogue where he's coming out of the high school gym. Mm. Fucking, he nailed it. Like, it's yeah. really weird to just be like, just a guy walking and looking up like, damn, like, you really made me go, what the fuck is he looking at? <laughs> yeah. He's looking at, is there, is there something bad? Oh, shit, something bad. That's one. All right. So what's the second thing that's good? Paper Girls, the comic. Oh, the comic. I really liked it. It felt like a much shorter story than what the TV series was going to show, um, which is weird. The comic, for being a pretty beastly tome, uh, moves pretty quick. Yeah, how um, many how many issues was that? With, with I the don't whole... know because it's not split up like that. Oh, okay. I don't. So know. You got the big trade. Yes, I got the fucking complete. Oh dealio. wow! And uh, I really liked it. Uh, the artwork's great. Very expressive. Really makes me wonder where the TV show was going to go. Yeah. Because the TV show really covered so little in one season. Like, it doesn't really move that far. But has characters saying stuff, like Grandfather says stuff in the first season that he says near the very end of the comic. Huh. And it feels like they were really going to, like Brian K. Vaughn and everyone else... We're going to really explore the individual characters, flesh them out a whole lot more, mm. and just fle- just give a lot more depth to everything. Because there's a lot of stuff in the comic that would not have made good TV. Yeah, and that happens. Sure. And so, and there's just like a lot of stuff that is in the show that is not at all in the comic. Like there's just a whole lot of shit in the in the show that's not in the comic. And can that's you give me fine. A, can you give me a for instance? Because so, I have never read like, the comic. When they go into 1999. Yeah. They don't explore anything about Mac. Oh, wow. They find out that she dies from leukemia. Okay. And at some point. And, but like, there's no like going to visit like her doctor brother. Oh, wow. And, um, new me, that was the best part of that episode was, was her (laughs) trying to explain to the doctor brother, like, yeah, so, um, here I am. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that was made up for the show. Damn. All right. And future Aaron is a little bit less of a fail adult (laughs) in the comic. Yeah. A little bit. There's a lot less jokes at her, her expense of her like being kind of a loser. I wonder how much of that was Ali Wong trying to lead into some of her existing persona. Cause that's kind of her comedy too. So I don't know. The robot stuff's different. I would imagine it would be in the, in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. There's like Ava's there's like weird future Ava's like, you should see my face right now. I'm making this like, Hell yeah! Like I'm doing this, like oh, I got it. So now I have to read the comic. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's really good. I'll let you borrow it. No, for sure. Um, I really, it's good. The art's great. Um, it fucking hits just as hard as the TV show hit on a lot of points. That's great. There's some great stuff with KJ and Mac, and yeah, I I really don't want to spoil it because it's no, worth that's reading. Great. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to read it because man, I haven't read it. I think the last relatively new comic I read was probably Brian O'Malley when he came out with the hardcover version of Seconds, which was his follow-up to uh, Scott Pilgrim Saves the World. How is uh, that? It's great. It's a. It's a. I it's, couldn't. You know, it's what? much more subdued than your Scott Pilgrim. It's very low-key. I think that's the most recent something new that I've gotten into as far as comics. I think. 
everything else has been rereading Junji Ito stuff from the nineties. Yeah, know? I've been so. I've been uh, cracking through Spiral. Okay, and uh, I've I've enjoyed it uh, so far. I'm like a hundred pages in, so uh, I'm like, wow, this artwork is just really gripping. The story moves in a weird way, but just like the artwork, like I can just like pour over the facial expressions and. Uh, very, very entertaining, very mysterious. I think the next new thing I'm going to try and read is the new volume of Saga just came out. Oh, that's another one I've heard a lot about. I love, I mean, that's Brian K. Vaughn. That's another thing he was doing while he was doing Paper Girls. And they he took a break, him and the artist. Wow. He took a break from saga for like two or three years. Wow. It was, it, yeah, I mean, just one of the best stories I've, read in anything in a long time and catching up on it and like being like oh i wonder the next volume is going to come out I'm like oh they've they're taking a hiatus they've been on hiatus <laughs> for like eight months i'm like mm. fuck um but the new since it's come back it's been very well reviewed and the artwork is just really great my biggest bummer about saga and paper girls is that i like went and looked at the official merch and thinking there'd be something that I would like. And I'm like, nah. I'm like, I'm not like a weird Zoomer hype beast. And yeah. I'm also not like a frumpy woman that works at a library. So I'm like, uh, well, I'm just kind of out. If I'm kind of just out here. Uh, you should read fucking... Everyone should read Saga. Okay. So I have three things, and they're all good, that I want to bring up this week for uh, my portion of the Breath Mint. First and foremost is a video game that I just finished last night. Actually, it was the night before. No More Heroes 3. Oh. So Suda51 is one of my favorite game developers because he just does whatever the hell he feels like at any time for any reason. He's very much like David Lynch in that way. It's just like whatever yeah. he, whatever he wants to do, he's just going to do it. So he spent a while working on Deathverse, which also was previously known as Let It Die. And so No More Heroes as a series kind of went by the wayside. And then he... You know, I think you might be one of three people I knew that put more than like an hour into Let It Die. Let It Die was great. Uh, it was a you know third person hack and slash roguelike, but it was also a live service internet game. It was free to play. It was one of the first games I got when I got a PS4, and so I put a lot of time into it. Let It Die was great. Death versus interesting. It's not a battle royale because there's not 100, but it's very close to that. There's like 16 other players, and you're trying to survive till the end of the game. Well, and so after all of that, Suda51 is like, oh, people are clamoring, clamoring for a No More Heroes 3. And so Grasshopper... Damon! Man <laughs> Grasshopper manufacturer and, and Suda51 go to work, and they come out with this bizarre fucking game so if you're not familiar with no more heroes brian are you do you know yeah no more heroes is basically about a guy who's like a fail son johnny knoxville <laughs> he's an who, ex-wrestler ex-wrestler <laughs> but i mean the character is obviously inspired by johnny knoxville. oh yeah yeah because apparently uh when he was trying to explain what the who the character would be to his team Suda fifty one uh, was showing like jackass to people to his yeah. team, and they just didn't get it. They didn't get it. Yeah. They did not understand the humor. Like, what's so cool about this guy? But so yeah, you're like this weird fail son <laughs> anime otaku guy, yeah, who buys a bootleg lightsaber off the internet 
and you recharge it by jacking off. <laughs> yeah, that is my favorite detail, and they keep that for this one. Uh, yeah, so he 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 unwittingly because he buys this lightsaber online becomes uh, inducted into this guild of assassins, and he's got to kill his way through ten colorful assassins in two different games for the Wii, and uh, and they were eventually ported to the PS3. And uh, 360. Those ports oh, yeah. are apparently absolutely dog shit, though. I have the PS3 port. It's not bad. It's just, it's definitely it's, uh, it wasn't... It is, is weird that I've been told that, like, the best version of a Wii game is the Wii. Well, because you literally are waggling the Wii remote sure. to, to, to recharge your lightsaber. But No More Heroes 3 came out on the Switch last year, and then it, it got a physical release on the PS4 this year. So I picked it up. It is just, it's a hoot. It's a hoot and a half. There's entire cutscenes about how the fact that Travis Touchdown is the guy's name. He's the, he's the otaku fail son, former wrestler. Yeah, how much he loves Takashi Miike movies. Yeah. Oh, they're so <laughs> weird. <laughs> like a long running, like every time. The and then m- there's the cat with the deep velvety voice. Gene. Yeah. It's just very odd, odd game, but it's so much fun. Boy, they really revamped a lot of the stuff, and they, they made combat really fun, and it's a really fun game. It, it doesn't take more than 12 hours to finish it. It's a um, Definitely wait for it to go on sale, because you don't want to pay full price for this game, but I, I would recommend it when it's cheaper. I'm trying to think what Sua 51 games I've played. I've played a little bit the first and more heroes i loved i'm like most people i loved killer seven. Oh yeah and yeah, i'm yeah. also one of the people to say i think he used all of his good ideas yeah. in that game yeah because everything else he's done has seems to be a little eh he did the samurai shampoo uh, game sidetracked sure. he was also 25th ward silver case Look here, uh, Lollipop Chainsaw, which is getting a remaster. Sure. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Killer is Dead, which was a sort of spiritual sequel to Killer 7. It's a third-person hack and slash versus being first-person. But Yeah, I, I had that on. I mean, I still have it uh, mm. on my Steam, and it's okay. Like, it's weird, and it's entertaining. Characters aren't terrible. But the thing is, like, your power-up stuff Yeah. game is, like, like staring at women. Yeah. And the Apparently, Suda was like, well, the publisher made us do that, and we didn't want to do it. And it's like the part that I think makes most people not want to play it made yeah. me stop playing it, because I'm like, oh, the only way to like power up my shit is to play this minigame where I stare at a polygonal woman's like breasts, <laughs> but have to like look away before she notices. And I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> like, it, you've made objectifying women not fun. <laughs> So he also had something to do with the game that I had never heard of before called Rebuild of Evangelion Sound Impact. I'm guessing it's a rhythm game. (laughs) I'd never heard of this game before until looking up his credits. Yeah, so he was the creative producer on Rebuild of Evangelion Sound Impact. But no, the one I was looking for, and I just remembered it because I looked it up, Shadows of the Damned was a PS3 game. Oh, my big boner. Yes, it was a it was a PS3 game. There Him was... and Shinge Mikame. Yeah, yeah, Shinji that's right. Mikame. Yeah, yeah. Just such a weird EA published it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so fucking weird to think that that game ever got made because it it just I don't know wh- how. Yeah, uh, who the hell knows? I mean, I think I think that was like it was either right before or right after Lollipop Chainsaw. That was before. 
Oh my god! Yeah. So he must have just come straight from No More Heroes too, uh, and his work on uh, as a director of uh, the Fatal Frame Massacre of the Lunar Eclipse, which was one of the better Fatal Frame games to come out in that time period. Yeah, uh, Fatal Frame, the game where you take pictures of ghosts to kill them. Anyway, you don't. It's not the game where you take photos of schoolgirls on the no, subway. No, that is a very different game. I don't even know what that one's called. Um, don't look at my Steam history. I think you can still buy a PC CD-ROM of it on uh, Crunchyroll.com. <laughs> Oh my God! So yes, uh, Suda five one big big fan of his. Definitely yeah, uh, no more heroes three. Jesus, I'm, I I watched a lot of cutscenes from No More Heroes three because I do not know if I have the patience to play a Suda fifty one. Well, like game I said, anymore. it's it's short, you know. But uh, Magic Chair Girl. Oh yeah, there's a whole there's a whole boss fight that revolves around musical chairs. Yes, and <laughs> people. <laughs> And the art style was done by this. the The cutscene was done by like this, like very popular animation studio in Japan. Has all kinds of weird fucking Zoomer gif shit. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, the magical chair girl does like the, she talks through like hand language. Yes, and some people are like, "Oh, I think there's actually some real sign language in there." Like she's actually signing, which I don't think is true because I know just a little bit enough of American sign language to be like, ah, "I don't think that tracks." Uh, according to the uh, fandom, again, uh, fuck fandom, but uh, yeah, she's never heard speaking. Instead, seemed to be performing illegible sign language. So, so yes, whatever she's signing, people who know ASL are like, no, that doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. But the little song that plays in the background samples fucking uh, uh, Farmer in the Dill. <laughs> it's fucking weird. But like that when I watched that cut scene and then I watched like the boss fight and just heard that music, I'm like, Oh, I got, what the fuck is this? And you, if you, you can go on, t- on uh YouTube and find the song by searching for like magic chair girl, like <laughs> rap song. And it's just like a bunch of Japanese people just rapping weird shit. And like, not in like a nonsensical English way. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like a weird vibe, but it's got a good little groove to it. And yeah, the music is a strong point of that, of that, that game for sure all right what's your other thing my other thing i've got two other things and 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 one of them is is a pretty simple one glass onion rain johnson's sequel to knives out boy the discourse on that one uh, i don't is, care do, do you choose do you choose to hate all media or do you choose <laughs> to let people enjoy things i think you can enjoy whatever you want to enjoy and 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 that's fine but also don't tell me what i have to enjoy no i i think Glass Onion is definitely a step down from Knives Out. Oh, yes. Um, I, I would say that like I love the Benoit Blanc character, and I could see Daniel Craig doing it for pretty much the rest of his career. He really doesn't have to do any more work than he's already done. Uh, just show yeah, up. Yeah, he's got a pretty nice career. Did we? Did I talk about Glass Onion last week? Or I don't know if it was last week, but it was previously on the on the show, I believe. But yeah, we boy, Benoit Blanc, what a great character. Uh, I love that. Oh, he- what if you say uh, the pussy? <laughs> I mean, can I get one picture of the pussy? A wall with your panties on. It's like, what a foghorn leghorn. Yeah, was, was gay and horny. That's what I, the Hugh Grant showing up as his, as his house husband. I love the Edward Norton is back in movies. Uh, missed me some yeah, Edward Norton. And then everyone's going to remember why they didn't put Edward Norton in movies <sighs> yeah, for a decade. I know. Dave Bautista is, is once again killing it. He's, yeah. he's he's back on the scene. It, Kate Hudson's back. I love Kate Hudson. Yeah. So boy, you know, Ray Johnson's doing doing the yeoman's work and Janelle Monet steals the fucking movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I knew she could act. 
I saw Homecoming, the second season of Homecoming, where she's the main character in it. But sweet Jesus. Between that and this, I'm like, yeah. She can give up music for the rest. You know, like, she's made the most re- amazing records that she's ever made. She's collaborated with Prince. I think she's been to the top of the mountain music-wise. Yeah, I don't I think, know where you go. I think maybe now is the time you focus on your acting because she nails it. And she does it so well. I love yeah. her very much. Uh, it was she's a high point of the movie. God damn, um, what a, what a flick! It's not all that deep, and I think that's kind of the point the movie itself is making with the whole glass onion metaphor, like because it's not that deep. It's a fucking Agatha Christie murder mystery movie wrapped in tourist porn. You know, like it's just it's a murder mystery movie. What do you want from this? Death on the Nile was a worse movie than this. Sure. Like I just I don't understand what people wanted from this. I think what hurts a movie like this that's just like fun and like generally like it's okay. Like it's not as fun as Knives Out. Well, I no, didn't hate that wa- was I didn't hate watching bottle. it. I mean, Christ almighty. I didn't hate watching it, but it's like one of those things where I like reflect on it, like, yeah, it kind of fell flat and like Dave Batista's character doesn't feel as sharp as it should be. Cause like, so was he like a, is he supposed to be like a fucking internet grifter? But yeah. he also seems like he's supposed to be like a fucking streamer. Like it just felt like they had like an, I feels like that's, uh, there's missed opportunities by that character being so unfocused. Right. Yeah, that's, that's true. He could have been more specific. Either he's a fitness guru or he's a streamer trying to make him both kind of loses that, that specificity yeah, of that felt sloppy. I guess why dislike about media consumption right now is like when you have something that's like it's just fine it's good like i enjoyed it i don't hate it is it then you have to go through the media cycle of like the fucking clickbait <laughs> yeah. shit the listicles and i think that's what really f- fucking got under a lot of people's skin was just like the fucking brain dead content mill shit that's like Every once in a while, like I'll get like my Google News shit, yeah. and I'll get things like, "Why isn't such and such's character coming back in the next season of this show?" And I'm like, "Okay, I gotta click this." And it's like, "Oh, because they died in season three, so they can't come back for season four because their character's fucking dead." And it's five hundred fucking words, and you're like, "That's oh, the shit." Eight to a thousand? You kidding me? You want to get yeah. paid? You, you know, you pad that out. The wickification of movies is really yeah. bugging is really bugging me because look. A movie's allowed to just be itself. Like yeah. I did I don't need the discourse about what's problematic about Don't Worry Darling. I like Don't Worry Darling was a interesting movie and I thought it was a fun ride. Fuck the rest of it. Like I don't need you to tell me that X character was problematic. I don't fucking care. Maybe that was the point. Right. Maybe that was an intentional thing. On the creators, did you did you see the new discourse that like it's hard to be hard to enjoy Blade Runner because it's about a guy who's a slave catcher? Yes, that's the point of the fucking movie. He's dealing with his own ethics and his own sense of morality, and the fact that he may also be a slave himself. Yeah, I I did read that. I let it bounce off me, but you're right. It's just like. Okay, we got to have a hot take. You're not being shown this character because it's right or because it's good. Because it's supposed to hopefully stir something deeper in you as far as contemplation and introspection and and intellectual stimuli. Deeper than you would just get your base level of existence. It is supposed to poke and pry at you. 
and maybe make you feel a little uncomfortable and make you question things it, just because like yeah Deckard is not necessarily a sympathetic character in many respects in some ways he is I mean so is there's uh, yeah. so is Kay in 2049 right. he's a very actually sympathetic character because he finds out his whole drive for what he is doing it's built is, on a lie it's built on a lie and he isn't even the only person that has that lie in his fucking head as a replicant right so he is not fucking special and he has the the, the back third of that movie is kind of him losing control and finding his sense of control other than the fact that he is not unique he is not important right. except for the fact that he is what the narrative has chosen to focus on right because he's the he's the way for us as the audience to ease into the setting otherwise yeah. it would be very jarring and very hard to same with Deckard in, in Blade Runner, it's very hard for you to jump into that setting and and feel like you understand at least a portion of what's going on. Sometimes that unsettling, sometimes that unease is an authorial choice. Mm -hmm. Like when you dive into Don't Worry Darling, Alice has already been in victory for a while, right? And mm -hmm. so like you're kind of diving in with her, but you but she's also been there for a while. So you're kind of joining in medias res, as they would say. But yes, to, to the broader point, a movie, a song, a game, a comic, yes, they're meant to entertain. That's point one. But also, if, if it's done its job well, is it's meant to make you, at least for a little while, entertain a point of view that is not your own. Yes. And sometimes that point of view is going to be from someone who's a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't like, even mean it doesn't. It doesn't mean what you're being shown is supposed to be. You're being shown because someone thinks it's good. There will be blood. I'm pretty sure Paul Thomas Anderson does not endorse Daniel Plainview's view <laughs> yes. of the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Daniel Plainview is the method by which you understand what is happening around him. Media literacy has gone down the shitter. Like just even even figuring out what scams or not. Being able to go, yeah. you know, this looks... I, feel, I feel like that's like something I, I bring up almost every episode we do is like fucking the, anyone else take a mass media class in high school. I Clearly got a not. solid C and I, I know what's what I like right. to think a reasonable amount of time. I spent a long time in public relations courses. I spent yeah. a long time learning the ins and outs of how to create television and how to create radio. And so in doing so, you, you really get the ins and outs. But even so... There's media crit media critical theory, that I think more than learning about the the founding of the country, media critical theory is a much more useful skill because you're able to look at something and go, oh well that 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 uh, that's clearly a video news release that was paid for by Apple. That's a free ad that somebody got to well, put on the news. This is clearly propaganda, infotainment. You know, yeah. like the, being able to spot those Big things. Big seed oil trying to keep my <laughs> uh, my semen down. Well, that's a whole nother, yeah. The, the third thing I want to talk about was Jeff Vandermeer. I'm currently reading his most recent book. I was talking about it in a previous episode. It's Hummingbird Salamander. But then I also went back and started, because I read two or three books at a time, because I'm one of those crazy people. I went back and I started the Area X slash Southern Reach trilogy, which is Annihilation, 
acceptance and control. <laughs> Shout out to AJJ. Oh, for real. Uh, <laughs> if I was a clone who thought it was a man and you were a weird fucking plan, it'd be a annihilation. Annihilation. All the cells are replicating. It's going to be a really good annihilation. This is probably the best song about a book I've heard in a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, boy, what a what a read that is. Jeff Vandermeer, because I wasn't really hip on him until Annihilation, the movie, came out. And then I was ravenous. I wanted to read everything there was. And so I went back and I read Annihilation, and then I went back and I read Born. And all. So I think I've read pretty much everything that he's put out, like going back to Ambergris, which was one of his first novels, which was called City of Saints and Mad Men. But I was like, ah, oh, you know, his style's very varied. He's able to do a lot of interesting things in prose. But man, that those first two, three chapters of Annihilation are just, they sing, man. There's just something about the way he's setting things up. Sparse prose. Uh, Cormac McCarthy has that same vibe where it's just, it's like James Patterson, but for sci-fi. You know what I mean? Like he's just hitting you with these short sentences, but they're punchy and they're really well written and just kind of get you. But then it starts to expand out as you introduce more and more of the world. You're introducing more and more of the characters, and you start to see this unsettling stuff happening around the botanist, the linguist, and all these characters that are never referenced by name. They're only ever referenced by title. By role. Yeah, yeah, by by role. Rereading Annihilation just has me hungry for, for just more of it. I really wish Alec Garland had left enough room for them to do the other two books as films, because... Oh boy, there's a lot. Of, I mean, get Natalie Portman back, you know. I liked I liked the movie, even though it had some pretty big flaws. Yeah, I will say that the one thing the the movie does nail is the absolute fucking terror of the book. Yes, yes, it, it's yes. kind of impressive. Like the fucking bear raccoon man <laughs> is one of the most. I think probably last time I was ever fucking unnerved in a movie. I think that and and near the end. Again, the spoilers for both of these, but where the where they kind of diverge is in the book, instead of uh, being a literal lighthouse, it's actually down into the ground. And so you've got the botanist character literally going underground and she's following this creature that she can't really even begin to describe. She calls it the crawler, who is writing this cryptic stuff on the walls as she goes down and she experiences like a singularity and there's this... Uh, in the film it's it's a literal lighthouse you know and she and she intersects with this cosmic something and i think that divergence point really bothered me more than anything else i think boy if they'd kept some more of that stuff with the crawler and how you're not really sure what she's seeing is what is real you know throw some right. satoshi Kone stuff in there you could have left some windows open but principle of the thing is Reading through Area X again, so I'm almost the way through Annihilation. <sighs> Cannot wait. Cannot wait. I love Control, especially because it shifts perspective. Control is the the, the guy. Oh. Is, so so the second and third. Is the fucked up planet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's great. I love him. Uh, anyway, so that is the show, folks. We, um, we appreciate you hanging out with us, talking mm-hmm. with us on a Thursday evening slash Wednesday morning, whatever the heck it is for you, wherever you are out there in Radio Land. We're going to give you some info about where to reach us. Brian? Yeah, if you're a junior G-man or <laughs> uh, you feel like there's rattlesnakes in your closet uh, and you need to tell me about it, 
you can reach me at I shot Geedy board on Instagram and yield Twitter. That's I S H O T G U I D B O R D. If you want to take a look at my photo portfolio, it's assholemusicphotographer.com. I would say, hey, go check out some stuff I've written about shows I've been to at amusicphotographer.com. But Photo Shelter is currently still bending me over that barrel, and I have not had the time to send them another death threat. Photo Shelter, you are dead to me, motherfucker. I swear to God. I, it's, it's fucking bizarre. I've been using Photo Shelter for like 12, 13 years and never had a problem until like, can you just send me an API key so I can use the WordPress plugin? I, I, you're literally your yeah. blog says your blog entry about says something about maybe having to pay money. I will give you money because because the WordPress thing used to use Flash. I guess now it's using right. HTML5, it's HTML5 yeah. and like just I'll yeah, if it's 20, 40 bucks, yeah, <laughs> fuck it, whatever. Yeah. Like, I have 10 years of shit on this server that I've been paying for, and I would like to access it in a way that is conducive to me being happy in life. Right. And right now, you're making me very unhappy. I so, feel like I'm covered in cold cum. So, photo shelter, once again, you're on notice. Yeah, get your shit together. Well, you can reach me on Twitter... And Hive co-hosts and various other places at Video Crime V I D E O C R I M E. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok as at Laser Goose CEO. You can reach the show on Twitter at Four Eight Minutes of Dogs, and as well, actually, a co-host and Hive. We have those set up for the Four Eight Minutes of Dogs oh. barking page as well. Uh, obviously, Facebook, any of those places. You just search Four Eight Minutes of Dogs barking. You're going to find us. I guarantee it. That is also, of course, supporting the show, patreon.com slash four eight minutes of dogs. And as I have mentioned several times during the show, you can reach out to us via email, four eight minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com. And the phone number, of course, 314 Ahoy. Poo. That's right. 314-246-9766. You can shoot us a text, leave us a voicemail, or if you're really, really lucky, you might catch me on a day where I actually have the phone in my hand. And I may be able to talk to you in person. God forbid. Well, that about does it for the show. I was recently reminded of this record. I want to play a little bit of it as we leave you today. California ska punk pioneers Voodoo Glow Skulls. Brian? Oh, wow. I yeah. haven't thought about them boys in forever. Track one, side one of their album, Fermaids. Shoot the Moon. And we're going to take you out with that. So have yourselves a good one. Namaste. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.